Good morning, everybody. Is there any brooms in the house out there? Yeah, come on. Whoa. <laughs> my name is Chris, and uh, I'm here with my husband, Marty. So grateful to be a part of the West Side Church. You guys look good. You guys look like you're healthy, like you're making progress in your lives. And uh, we're happy to be uh, with you guys. Believe it or not, it's been 25 years since we lived on the west side. And uh, it's pretty amazing. We came here in 1989, and uh, there wasn't a whole lot going on. We went over to the UCLA campus, and there wasn't a whole lot going on. Uh, And uh, for me, it's just a dream to be able to see so many great brothers and sisters faithful to God, uh, doing well in their lives, overcoming, being the gutty little Bruins, and we appreciate you guys so much. Uh, we are family, and this is what we've been doing for the last several years. Uh, we've, we have been growing our own family. When we came, our son Ben was ready to go into kindergarten, and uh, now he's 30 years old. Married and in Dallas, he actually, uh, you know, his teachers took revenge on him. He now teaches middle school, and uh, I always tell him it comes around, son. It's coming around. He coaches girls track and cross country, and uh, they are just killing everybody right now. Um, he's loving it. His wife just graduated from nurse practitioner school, and uh, our other daughter, Maria, just moved to New York City with John and Arlene Markowski. She and her husband live on the Upper West Side of Manhattan, and uh, work in, uh, she works in the fashion industry, and uh, they're just loving life. They were excited. They wanted to move to New York for the church and uh, serve there, and uh, they're just loving being uh, hard workers in the working world, and then just really reaching out to the community there. Our daughter Anya, who's the one in the uh, golf cart with me, she is now 30 years old also, believe it or not. She just got engaged and is getting married next summer. Uh, She's living in San Dimas and working in the Pasadena area, so it's great because we get to see her. Uh, These two knuckleheads asleep on the couch are our current children. Uh, That is Jack and Lucy, our two beagles. And uh, we love them. They are family. Uh, If you have a dog, you probably get that. If not, sorry. Sorry if I disgusted you. Uh, The other group of of people in the bottom is what we call our family. We stole that shamelessly from a TV commercial uh, because family doesn't always look the same. You know, if I, I look at your family, my family, this is our current current group of of sisters living with us, and uh, we have Margaret She, who uh, grew up in our church. She's from that other school across town, believe it or not. I mean, that just shows you the power of God. We've got a Trojan living right under our roof, and uh, and she's a true Trojan, too. She's not like, you know, one of those fake ones, and uh, she really went there, and she really graduated. <laughs> she uh, she went through, a, in the church, went through a terrible divorce and uh, just really needed to kind of help her put her life back together. And she's doing great. She's been with us for about two years, and she's getting ready to launch out on her own uh, with, with her new life. 
And then that young one there is uh, Karina, who knows a bunch of people on the west side here uh, in the teen ministry. She's uh, the daughter of a friend of mine who became a Christian, and she passed away about a year after she became a Christian from cancer. And her daughter had one year left of high school, and so we took her in for that year. And now she's up in Alaska. Uh, she's up in Alaska going to university and getting ready for nursing school. So that's what we've been doing. We haven't just been sitting around watching, watching TV this whole time. Uh, as, as someone said, I am an RN and I work with hospice. This is my side job. Lots of people in L.A. have a side job. Uh, hospice is working with people who have a prognosis of six months or less to live. And I can tell you that, that this side job that was intended to just be, you know, a few hours a week to bring in a little extra money to help our kids pay their college loans uh, has really impacted my life in a great way. Because when you're around people who live like they've only got six months or left less, it really makes you think about a lot of stuff. And so uh, it's helped me as a Christian just to be more sharp. Uh, and to understand that this world is temporary. The hospice that I work for is a Jewish hospice, so I've learned a lot about being a Jew. It's awesome. And, and if you are from that persuasion, then happy Sukkot. Uh, it's the Jewish holidays, the festival of the booths, which is also another, another way that they remember how temporary life is here on this earth. They built uh, temporary booths to be able to celebrate that festival, just to remind themselves that this world is not our home. And so, you know, when when mom and dad show up after a long time, what happens? It's checkup time. So welcome. We're happy you came to get your your, uh, 25-year checkup today from Marty and I. And I want to ask you... How are you doing? Whether you are uh, one of our Bruin faithful or whether you just walked in the door, how are you doing in your life? You know, do you take stock of what's going on in your, your life? We've all experienced births, deaths, great, happy, incredible things. I mean, if you think about the happiest thing that's happened to you in the te- last 10 years, just incredible joy, incredible sorrow, incredible health challenges. I mean, we've been through it, haven't we? Financial challenges, challenges with our own sin, challenges with everybody else's sin. And how are we doing? You know, one thing that Marty and I have always said is we're never going to leave God. We aren't. We are never going to leave God. And I think if you haven't made that decision today, it's a great day to do it. Today is a great day to just say, you know what? I'm not leaving. It's, it's tough at times, it's awesome at times, it's awful at times, but I'm not going anywhere. And I'm so grateful that, uh, that I can make that commitment to never, ever quit. I look at this family and I look at, that's the dream. You know, for me, uh, coming from a family as a college student, I don't know about you, but I wasn't one of those sisters who's always looking for, you know, the guy. And... Uh, Who's, who wants to get desperately wants to get married, and I think that's great if that's if that's what you're after, um, you know, you just long to be married. But I wasn't that person. I was like, I don't think I'm ever going to get married. I don't. I don't really. I don't really want to have kids. You know, I looked at my family that I grew up in, and I was like, who would want to duplicate that? 
Seriously. And there are a lot of us out there who feel that way. Do I really want to duplicate that pain that I grew up in? And that was where I was coming from. And I can tell you that one of the greatest blessings of giving my life to God is that I can enjoy every aspect of family. I can enjoy my own family, uh, my kids. I'm so grateful that God said, yeah, you've got your plans, but I've got other plans for you. I'm grateful that he set me in a wonderful family. Uh, It teaches me more about my love for him. We can stay faithful and never quit. All we have to do, it's so simple. It's really, really simple. I don't know what anyone's been telling you, but you cling to God and you cling to each other. That's what it takes to make it through all the difficult times. And I really want to encourage you, how have you been doing clinging to God? You know, are you really, really connected the way that you know, you know you should be? Uh, Are you connected to each other? the way that you should be. And I'm not talking about saying hi at church. I'm talking about are you really, really involved in the nitty-gritty of each other's lives? Do you have people you call when, you you know, it's like, who are you going to call when you get in trouble? You know, you better have some people. You better be connected. You better be real and get the help that you need and give the help to others when they need it because that's how we stay faithful for the long run. Uh, Let me close my little part here with Galatians 6, verse 9. Uh, Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. It's so great to see you guys, and I present my husband who's going to give you the rest of your checkup. (laughs) I'm not sure I need to speak. We just need to stand and have the invitation song. Be turning your Bibles to Colossians chapter 1. We'll be there in a few moments. Wonderful to be here. I feel tremendously honored uh, to be invited uh, by the uh, old UCLA uh, alumni group uh, to come over and to speak for you and to be with the Westside Church here today. Um, you know, on your way to uh, Colossians 1, go over to, to uh, 3 John. Uh, I was reading in my Bible this week. It's a good thing to read in the Bible. Amen. And I was reading in my Bible, and I'm almost finishing my year uh, reading through the Bible. So uh, as you can tell by where I was at in Third John, I'm almost done. And I was struck by this passage in the context of coming over here and seeing all the alumni that we knew many years ago. In verse 2, John says, Dear friend, I pray that you may enjoy good health and that all may go well with you, even as your soul is getting along well. It gave me great joy to have some of the brothers come and tell about your faithfulness to the truth and how you continue to walk in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. And uh, I have to tell you, those of you that uh, from the old uh, campus ministry days, seeing you here and seeing that you're still faithful and seeing how your lives are getting along, uh, I, I can really understand what he's saying there. There's no greater joy than seeing people that become Christians and not only become Christians but continue in their faith and hang in there. Uh, I uh, remember uh, seeing uh, back in the Chicago days, uh, a long, long time ago, even before the UCLA days, uh, a couple come into church, and uh, it was John Thorne, uh, years and years ago. And he was, I'm going to guess John was probably in his 20s, late 20s uh, or 30s. So uh, his hair was darker back then, but... uh, you know, just to see John still here and faithful and hanging in there, 
unbelievable joy uh, that comes to me. And uh, I super appreciate Kathy and all the work she does uh, to make the UCLA thing happen. Uh, You know, I have to tell you, living with Margaret uh, in our house, being from uh, USC, she is sometimes a little, you know, confused. Uh, why, why do the UCLA uh, people always have uh, reunions, and how come they're all whenever there's a seminar, uh, they always have a special room and all that? And uh, I said, that's because of Kathy. And uh, I said, you know, uh, the problem with you guys at USC is you have no one like Kathy. And uh, if you wanna, if you wanna get someone like Kathy, you'll have meetings. But if you don't, then you probably won't. Okay, you're gonna go back to Colossians one. What I want to talk about today is daily Christianity. Emphasis on daily. Now, in a lot of people's lives, they would look at Christianity and wouldn't say daily. What would they say? Yearly? Annual? Seasonal? Anything else? Easter and Christmas? You know, that kind of thing. But you know, when Jesus talked about following him, it was a daily thing. If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. So Christianity is always meant to be something that you do on a daily basis. This is not what you do on Sunday at church. It's what you do All the days of the week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, real Christianity is daily. It's not, you know, I went to UCLA, as if it's the defining thing of your life. You say, I am a Christian who happened to go to UCLA. Your Christianity becomes the defining thing of your life. It's not the add-on. You're not an accountant who's a Christian. You're a Christian who's an accountant. You understand what I'm saying? You're not Asian that happens to be a Christian. You're a Christian who happens to be Asian. You're not an American who happens to be a Christian. You're a Christian who happens to be an American. Real Christianity is daily. And as Paul talks about the, this concept to the churches, we're going to read a couple of different passages here. He puts this in, this, in the, the wording of the walk that you live, the life that you live, to live this worthy life or to walk this worthy walk. You in Colossians 1? Okay, verse 3. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you because we have heard of your faith in Christ and the love that you have for all the saints. The faith and the love that spring from the hope that are stored up for you in heaven and that you've already heard about in the word of truth. The gospel that has come to you all over the world. This gospel is bearing fruit and growing just as it has been among you since that day you heard it and understood God's grace in all its truth. You learned it. From Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who's a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf, 
And also, and he also told us of your love in the Spirit. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for all of you, asking God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And we pray this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord. There's the terminology that he uses. That you may live a life, a daily life, What are you doing every day of your life? The life that you're living needs to be worthy of the Lord. Look back to Philippians chapter 1 and verse 27. He says, whatever happens, conduct yourself in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Whatever happens. And Chris said it earlier. You know, if, if you look back to the, uh, the time that Chris and I were at UCLA and the students and many of you that were here, the things that our lives have gone through, enormous ups, enormous downs, great victories, terrible defeats, life has been easy and life has been tough. It's had moments where you think, man, this couldn't get any better, and you have moments where you wonder, could it get any worse? He says, whatever happens. And you know, sometimes in, in, uh, in our life, we, we look ahead in our life and we think, you know, great things are going to happen in my life. Well, I hope that's true. But you may also have some things along the way that aren't great that happen in your life. You ever have things in your life that you think, man, I can't believe that happened to me. I can't believe that I'm living through this. Even some things that are funny. You know, this morning I'm up working on my sermon and, and uh, I, <laughs> I didn't have the lights on in the room. And uh, there was some mail on, on the table there. And I, I picked the, the, the mail off the table and I thought, oh, okay, and I, I was going to go in and get a cup of tea. And there's a table right there that's been sitting there for years. And I walked right into it. Bam! On my right thigh. And i got to tell you, wow, that hurt. I didn't see it coming. <laughs> Life is that way sometimes. You, you get some things, you're like, man, I didn't see that coming. Good and bad. I stand behind my wife here of 34 years. Our, our anniversary is next Monday. 34 years. We actually got married on a Monday, but that's another story. We don't have time to go into that. But uh, most people don't get married on Monday, but we did. But, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm sort of hearing and watching Chris do this, and I'm like, you know, I married well. <laughs> I always try to bring Chris with me because people like me more if she's here. Uh, it, 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 it just seems to go better if Chris is around, if you know what I'm saying. Sometimes in life you don't know what you're getting. And it's better than you thought. Sometimes you get things in life you didn't see coming, and it's pain more painful than you might think. But he says, whatever happens. You don't become a Christian and say, I'm going to be a good Christian if good things happen. Whatever happens. Conduct yourself in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Look over to Ephesians 4. 
We're actually going to come back to this passage a little bit later. In Ephesians 4, in verse, uh, in verse 1, As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. And so this is something that the Apostle Paul, as he writes to these churches, whether it be to Ephesus or to Philippi or the Colossae, whatever letter he's writing out, he's trying to get them to understand you need to live a life worthy. Daily life. Now look back to Colossians chapter 1. That's where we started out, right? Colossians chapter 1. He says, you may live this life worthy of the Lord, in verse 10. And then he details out a little bit What is he saying? What does this mean in real terms to live this life? And he gives five different little statements here of what it means to live this worthy life. He says that you may please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, that you may have great endurance and patience and joyfully giving thanks to God the Father who has qualified you in the share in the inheritance of the saints. And he goes on. Let's talk about these different things. Bearing fruit in every good work. The daily life of a Christian, this worthy life that we're supposed to live, should be a life that we are bearing fruit in every good work. Let me bring that down to, to sort of a practical level for you. What does that mean? It means be productive in your life. Get something done in your life. I come from a family uh, where my father was a coach uh, when I was a younger child and a school administrator uh, in, uh, in my later years before I went on, off to college. And I have memories of watching my dad coach. And uh, I'm talking in the context here of football coaching. He coached in, in football and in basketball and track, for that matter, as well. But I remember him sort of shouting with great enthusiasm, Hit somebody! Somebody has gone on a different color shirt than you. Just hit somebody. Do something. Don't stand and look. Be productive. And you know how it is amazing how how helpful that is for people in their life. You want to make better grades? Do something. I'm pretty sure doing nothing ain't going to help it. Do something. Hit somebody. Be productive in your life. You know, so many things of our life, if we would just do something, it would be better. You understand what I'm saying? Many of you say, man, you know, it's been a few years. I put on a few pounds. Then quit eating so much. Do something. Instead of eating a full sandwich, eat a half. You understand what I'm saying? Just do something. Well, I don't know what to do. My guess is you know exactly what you need to do. See, bearing fruit in every, in every good way, just be productive in your life. 
You want to be a better employee? You want your job to go better? Work harder. Do something at work that you're not doing. Most of the time, life is not nearly as complicated as we would like it to be. Well, I wish my finances were better. Quit spending so much money. You're probably not going to make more money. You might, but probably the, the, the knob you can turn is quit spending so much money. Be productive in your life. Then he says, he, he uses two things here. He says, I want you to grow, growing in the knowledge of God. Now, how do we grow in the knowledge of God? We read the Bible. We look at nature uh, and, and all that can, can, can go together. But I want you to grow. I want you to grow in your knowledge of God and being strengthened. I want you to get stronger. So these two things are sort of things that both, this sort of the, the second about growing in the knowledge of God, third and, and being strengthened with all power, are about uh, growing and, and getting a little bit better. I would encourage you in life uh, to, to, uh, to uh, adopt this as one of your sort of axioms of life. Uh, I was over here a week ago we talked about axioms of, of being a good parent. An axiom of life that I think is important is that improvement is always appreciated. You don't have to fix everything at once. You don't have to get better all, all at once. Just get a little better. Just get a little stronger. We say, well, I wish I knew the Bible better. Well, then read it more. Well, I wish I knew the Bible. Well, read it. You know, if you read the Bible, you'll find all kinds of good things. You'll find things you weren't looking for. I wasn't really looking for that third John passage, but when I read it, I thought, man, I'm going over there on Sunday. This fits exactly into my life. I can't tell you how many times in my life that's happened. I'm just reading the Bible, and I read the Bible, and I think, oh, that fits. What I'm going through right now, what I'm thinking in my life, read the Bible more. Be more committed to reading the Bible. Find time in your life to read the Bible. Find places that you like to read the Bible. I like to read the Bible out of my back patio. I like to read the Bible at my desk. I like to read the Bible. If you read the Bible, you're going to grow in the knowledge of God. You're actually going to know more as you go along. And He wants us to get a little bit better as we go along. Improvement's always appreciated. You want to be a better parent, and this is not a parenting class, but treat your kids with that kind of grace. Just get a little bit better. You don't have to be the awesomest kid on the block. Just do a little bit better than you're doing now. Just make a little progress as you go along in life. So he's got, he's got this growing stuff. Then he says, he talks about this endurance. He says that, uh, that uh, with strength with all power according to his glorious might, that you may have great endurance and patience. Great endurance and patience with who? I think with yourself first. If you've been a Christian for five years, ten years, fifteen years, twenty years, twenty-five, You've learned to be patient with yourself. Because nobody's a Christian for a long period of time and they don't realize that, you know, I could have tanked this thing. 
I could have walked away. I have sinned. I've fallen short. It's embarrassing, you know, having you guys uh, be as complimentary as you are to me and Chris. Because I know who I really am. And I'm not nearly as good a Christian sometimes as I wish that I was. I still see the old Marty show up. Well, that was uncalled for. <laughs> yeah, it, it's like I, last Sunday going to church. I, I'm driving down Huntington Avenue and I'm just cruising along and, and, and somebody backs out right in front of me. That was annoying. And they stop. That's double annoying. Then they creep along going forward. And that's even more annoying. And then they pull back into two spots down from where they just back out of. And I got to tell you, my reaction was not what you'd call Christian. You know what I'm saying? You ever have a non-Christian reaction driving? <laughs> you know what? Hey, I got, I've, I've got to be patient with me. I'm a work in progress. I'm hopefully going to get better longer I, I, I'm, I'm a Christian. But I've got to be patient, and I've got to have great endurance. It's like Chris said, if you haven't made the decision of not leaving the Lord, then you might. But I've made the decision I'm not. You've made the decision, if you're a Christian for many, many years, hey, you, you, you can't run me off. You know, the church sometimes stinks. And, 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 and you know... Sometimes the people in the church are, are, are the problem with the church, you know. <clears throat> and you've got to deal with it with great endurance and patience. Patience with yourself, patience with people around you. You have anybody in the fellowship here that annoys you? <laughs> Liar. I know good and well you got people annoy you. They annoy me too, probably. That's where great patience and endurance comes into play. This is daily Christianity. This is not showing up at church every six months. Hey, hey, hey! When you're dealing with each other on a consistent basis, you're dealing with real life. And you're dealing with the good and the bad and the ugly as it comes along in life. And so you've got to have this great endurance and patience. And, and he comes on, then he says, in giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share. And then he goes on, giving thanks, joyfully giving thanks. The Christian life is meant to be lived joyfully. You've got to learn to laugh at yourself. And you've got to learn to laugh at others around you. And enjoy the humor of the human condition. 
If your home is not a home where there's a lot of laughter, I would urge you to start laughing at home. Learn to laugh at each other. Learn to laugh at yourself. Even when you walk into tables and you're limping around. I just started laughing. What an idiot. I know that table's there. Come on, dude, wake up. And laugh at yourself a little bit. As we age, and I would say this, uh, you know, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to be 60 in about a month. Uh, so I'm, I'm hanging on to the 50s with my fingernails, man. I, I, I ain't giving up, man. I, I got less than 30 days of 50s left, so I'm hanging on with all I got. But you gotta, you got to learn to laugh at yourself a little bit, you know, and, and realize you don't always remember things, people, names. You know, your dog misbehaves, you start calling your kids, you know. <laughs> ben! <laughs> Jack. Amen. <laughs> you got to learn to laugh at yourself as, as you go through life. This, it, it's, the, the Christian life is a life of tremendous suffering and difficulty at times, but it also is this joyfully giving thanks to God the Father. Giving thanks for things that are difficult. God, thank you for giving me this challenging situation. It's making me better. Joyfully giving thanks for your life. Instead of sort of wishing, I wish my life would get easier. If your life would get easier, you probably wouldn't get any better. And so sometimes you've got to look at life and say, you know, whether it's easy or whether it's not, I'm going to be joyfully giving thanks to the Father. Now, okay, look back. I wanted to tell you back, back in Ephesians 4. Because we're going to hit this stuff here a little bit about this walk that we're supposed to be living, this, this, this daily walk. And those things of bearing fruit in every guru, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power, great endurance and patience, joyfully giving thanks, are all those things that he sort of fills in the blanks there as he talks in Colossians chapter 1. Now in Ephesians 4, this is a passage where he's talking to the church in Ephesus about the same kind of thing, but he emphasizes a, a, an element of things here that I want to notice. In verse 17. He says, so I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do. This daily life of of a Christian is living purposefully different. If a Christian fits in, a real Christian, if they fit in with everything that's going on around them, there's something wrong with their walk. There's something wrong wrong with their Christian life. You should no longer live like the people the world do. So when someone says, you know, you're a little odd, you're a little different, and, and, and if they feel that way, that's okay. Because you are doing it on purpose. You're not odd for odd's sake. You're not trying to be weird. 
But you're living by a different set of standards. So you're not living, he says, like the Gentiles do. And he comes on down, uh, and, and, and verse 26 says, You were taught with regard to your former way of life. If a person is a Christian, there should be a, 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 an understanding of, this is what I used to be, and this is what I'm trying to be now. Now, like we said earlier, sometimes what you used to be shows up. Right? It's like it pops up. You're like, whoa, get back. Get back. Get back. But it keeps showing up sometimes in your life. But you're trying to realize, this is how I used to be, but I'm now purposefully trying to live a different kind of life. This was the former life. This is now what I'm trying to do. So he says, in regard to your former way of life, to put off the old self, which has been corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your mind. I want to ask you, do you have a good or a bad attitude? How's your attitude? You got a good attitude? Or do you have a bad attitude? We've all met someone that has a bad attitude, right? I mean, you can just sort of, they radiate. They walk into the room. Bad attitude. Right there. Why do people have bad attitude? Well, it's usually because something happened in their life that they feel like shouldn't have happened in their life. Right? And so they have what we might call a chip on the shoulder. You know what I'm saying? You ever met someone with a chip on their shoulder? Have you ever been the person with a chip on your shoulder? Have you ever come home from work and you have a chip on your shoulder? You walk into your house and you are just waiting for your wife or husband to say something that didn't, didn't fit right in. Because if they say the wrong thing, man, it is on, baby. You are just waiting for an opportunity. Say it. I dare you. I say You say I'm going to tear you up, man. You just got an attitude. You got a bad attitude. I know when I have a bad attitude. And my guess is you know when you have a bad attitude as well. He says this daily life of being a real Christian is determining I want to have a good attitude. Students, do your teachers think you have a good attitude? You say, I'd like to make better grades. Well, then change your lousy attitude. I told the, uh, the students over at the, in the, uh, the Lifeway region uh, this, this story. I may have told you guys too. I can't remember what I told people. But uh, I got one D in college, and that was in freshman psychology. This is before I became a Christian, by the way. And... Uh, is this a big, uh, you know, uh, theater kind of uh, class? And uh, the teacher was teaching, and basically was trying to t- was talking about the mental and emotional processes that that humans and animals go through, and was making the the, the point that in some cases animals and people think the same. And I'm this smart aleck freshman, you know, and I said so. Uh, raised my hand. I said so. You're trying to tell me that I think like a dog. 
And she said, well, not exactly, but there are some similarities. And I said, well, you may think like a dog, but I can assure you that I don't. Now that right there is a good way to make a D. Because I'll guarantee you, out of the 200, 300 people that were in that class, she knew who Mr. Fuquay was. And she identified the smart like freshman that embarrassed her in front of the class. You see, if you have a bad attitude, sometimes you just set yourself up for disappointment. Because you're constantly annoying people. And he says you can, be, you can change the attitude of your mind. He says just change it. Be made new in the attitude of your mind and to put on the new self created to be like God into righteousness and holiness. Come on down to verse 25. He says, Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to his neighbor, for we're all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. Now look at this. He who has been stealing must steal no longer. If you're living the Christian life, there's some things that you were doing that you particularly now are not going to do. And he, he talks very specifically here about stealing. If you were stealing before you became a Christian, you've got to quit doing that. <laughs> Hopefully they've covered this with you. You know, I, I don't know. I, I've been a, I haven't been here for a long time, so this is... This is ABC's here, but if you're stealing, if you're still stealing, you've got to quit that. That's old life. You've got you to quit stealing. But see, he says there's certain ways that you might have been living before that you shouldn't be living that way now. This daily life is purposefully not like the way you used to be in some very specific ways. You used to be that. Now you're trying hard not to do that. But I love this, what he says. He says, but you must not only steal, but work doing something useful with your own hands that you may uh, have something to share with those who are in need. Now, I've got to tell you, when I talk about this in the ministry that I lead over in San Gabriel Valley, I spent a good amount of time about getting out and getting a job. And, uh, you know, we, we've got a few members over there that haven't had a job for a while. And, uh, you know, I'm not sure they were real happy with me. But, you know, I learned a long time ago as a minister, you know, you can't just sort of skip over a passage. I mean, you know, when, when, when you study it for your schoolwork, sometimes you, you take a highlighter, you know, highlight, so you can be sure to see it. Sometimes when they read the Bible, you, you take a, a, a Sharpie, a black Sharpie. You're not highlighting. You're crossing out. I don't like that. Let's go back to John 3.16. I like that, man. Let's talk about that. Yeah, but sometimes the Bible says things that you have to deal with. Okay, let me close this down for you guys. Look over back in Colossians chapter 1. This is where we started, right? Look what he says here at the end of this reading in verse 13 and following or 12 and following, he says he's qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light. If you're a Christian, you're walking this daily walk, 
You're living a Christian life. You are in the kingdom of light. He rescued you from the dominion of darkness. Sounds like Star Wars. And brought us into the kingdom of the Son He loves. If you're a Christian, you're in the kingdom of light. And you've been rescued from the dominion of darkness. And in this, we have redemption. The forgiveness of sins. I'm not a Christian. You're not a Christian. Because we are so awesome. I'm a Christian. You're a Christian. Because God has set up a way for us to be in His family. In His kingdom. So that we can be redeemed. We can be bought back. And we can exist in this life and prayerfully in the life to come in the kingdom of light. If that doesn't fire you up, if that doesn't send you out of this place with a good feeling, I don't know what would ever change your heart. To me, the thought that I'm in God's kingdom, I'm in God's family, not because I'm that impressive, but because He wants me to be there. He wants the relationship with me. So He redeems me. He buys me back. He forgives me of my sins. What a magnificent thing. I urge you, make sure your Christianity is not monthly. Not weekly. True Christianity is daily. It's what we do every day of our life. God bless. Great to be with you guys.